mention it. Yeah. Welcome to the Now That You Mention It podcast with Kevin and Dane. My name's Dane. It's hmm. a new one, huh? That's a little new one. Okay. I'm Kevin. What's happening? We are back after the longest hiatus I know. in show history. I know. Thus far. Thus far. I was scheduled to be away for a week. Then I got hit with a funeral. So what can you do? Yeah. You can skip the funeral. Yeah. I'll be like, I have a podcast to do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you got? Uh, Well, I have that the weather is sunny in New York City. Oh, are we doing doing weather reports now? (laughs) Um, I have nothing for the opening segment. Um, Nothing prepared. Yeah. All right, then I'm going to monopolize. I got a few things. Okay. So after I went to the funeral, the funeral was like coincident with me, my pre-planned trip down to Miami. Mm-hmm. When I was in Miami, I went to a restaurant or like a, I guess a breakfast place called Bacon Bitch. Bacon Bitch? Bacon Bitch. Okay. And- Bacon as in swine bacon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you walk in- and the people behind the counter or the register, they call you bitches. Let's see. <laughs> They're Let's like, see. hey, bitches. And what was weird, too, though, was that they called the food you ordered bitches, too. They'd be like, oh, so you want, like, the bacon bitch sandwich or, like, the salmon bitch or the whatever bitch? And then they'd be like, you'd go up to get your food and they'd be like... Did you enjoy your bitches, bitches? <laughs> like, so no, that's that's too much. See, it was g- O D gimmicky shit like that is that's trash. Like that's absolute. And then it takes the fun out of saying bitch. Like I refer to. So my dad is. He had it. I think he rivals too short in in the use of bitch. Mm-hmm. And my dad will like, he'll call a person a bitch. He'll call, you know, anything like pass me that bitch or something, yeah. right? That's cool. But like now we're getting into like the salmon bitch. The And, and now I'm walking in and you're calling me a bitch and all that's that's too much. Every employee too, they had to, the, there must have been a talk <laughs> where like, are you, like the interview was like, are you comfortable calling people bitches over and over again? That, right. is, yeah. that is, <laughs> that is, that is so trash. ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. I was like, damn, Wait, you're really how, how trying was, to go viral How was right the now. food? It was fine. It was like, it was like, it was like passable enough. Like it, it like would have convinced, like a, convinced an Instagrammer that it was fire, you know, but like anyone a little more discerning was like, it's passable. Like it's fine. But shit, what else was I going to say? It also was like. <laughs> 
I was like, yeah, when I thought, when I was in there, what I thought was like, wow, you're like, it's really all about anything to go viral or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like. Right. Yeah, it has to be. Um, Cause I couldn't think of anything else like why you would be going the lengths with all the bitches like that. Yeah. It also came across as kind of even dated. I was like, what is this sort of like co-opting of like this kind of Valley girl slash also like I could picture like gay dudes being Mm -hmm. like, what's up bitch? Like that kind of, that's how all the, that's how all the employees were talking. And I was like, this isn't really even in vogue anymore to like call everything a bitch like that. Like, I don't know. It was just kind of weird. So that's what I, it's Miami. It's the South. It's still the South. It's Miami. It was like a tourist trap basically. Um, but okay. I have two, I have a couple more serious things for the opening segment. My mom sent me an in-depth critique. Mm. She did a deep dive on some of her episodes. I think she, forgetting which ones she listened to specifically, but she watched a number of them. Got this full email about stuff that I can do fucking better and shit. Mm -hmm. But she fact-checked us Mm. on a couple things. Mm -hmm. So she actually got you a couple times. The brick did not wash up in Orlando, as you stated. Mm, where was it? It was I said, in Melbourne, Florida. Orlando is not on the coast. So is it near? It was near. But or, I'm pre- Orlando was like le- OD landlocked. Right. It's like in the middle of No, Florida. yeah, yeah. I, that's why I thought I said it was near Orlando, a beach near Orlando. I don't know. She okay. hit you with that fact okay. check. Fact check. And then when we were talking about, it might have been, no, it wasn't the same episode because we were talking about global warming. Jakarta, which is the capital of Indonesia, is not underwater nor is it close to be becoming underwater. However, there are like five islands off the coast of New Guinea in that region, which have become like totally submerged. Okay, so I'm close. <laughs> yeah. I'm close. So we got fact-checked a couple times. That's fine. But that's all I got. That's it. Hmm. Well, tell your mom I'm going to have to fact-check some shit she said. <laughs> 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 tell her she's next. No, that's fair, though. So she's just like fact-check, and then she continues to criticize me about how i say things and stuff Mm. so that's but that's good though i'm all for constructive criticism yeah i enjoy it actually i like constructive criticism i mean it's probably why i'm trying to be in the academy because that's all it is just constructively criticize yeah yeah your work the work of others (laughs) that's all it is so yeah. Well, we're back after surprisingly after three weeks away. We have we have like no opening segment. Content. I know. It, and every other week is like we, always like some a, other there's shit. There's a gang of shit yeah. to talk about. We can't get it. We can't like get to all of it. What else is there? I don't know. What's what's happened this week? That what's was, been irking you, Kevin? Nothing really. I've been like my head's been down. I've been fiendishly working on my PhD application, so I haven't been doing much of anything like other than that. Okay. Yeah. So. You guys want to know about that shit? You want to hear about my research? and I want to read your thesis that you wrote for um, your master's. Okay. After I do some editing. It's so, tra- like, going back, that's something. It's like going back and reading, like, your work after you, you know, left it alone for a year or so. 
that thesis is so fucking trash. Mm-hmm. Like in hindsight now, like when I wrote it, I was like, oh, this shit is right. Fire. I was I was about to say, isn't it crazy the discrepancy between <laughs> how you feel about it when you finish it and then even like you go you come back a year later, six six I, months later. I'm like, like, like reading this shit now and I'm like, there's no way I turn this in. <laughs> it's <laughs> like did. it's like there's no way I turn this shit in. And so going back and and rewriting it now has been it's been pretty cool. It's been a cool process. So that's cool. Yeah. There's some stuff of mine like way in the past that I refuse to even. Oh yeah. yeah. Undergrad shit. I will never read it again. Ever. Mm -mm. Ever. Um, Early grad school shit in about another year. That's going to be in the vault forever. (laughs) (laughs) Like forever. So yeah. Like this thesis is probably like the last bit of like master's level work I'm ever going to refer back to. Yeah. Like, period. Yeah. <laughs> going back, shit. Now I'm all sad about when I go back and I'm like, oh. Yeah. It's, I said what? I wrote that? Yeah. And, and that's exactly how you're going to look at it. But it's cool to be able to like, like I said, rework it. Yeah. Infuse it with some new, some new shit. Pour some new idea sauce on new it. New idea sauce is always good. <laughs> Shit, I'm trying to think of what what I have. I don't have anything because I was away. I know for a week and then. Oh yeah, you well, we were talking um, before we started recording. We were talking about how trash Nebraska is. Yeah, you can tell the our listeners about how you had such a great time in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> the the culinary capital of Nebraska uh, yeah. is what you said, Columbus, Nebraska. Columbus, Nebraska. See, now my mom is going to be OD mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so now I'm, no, I love Nebraska. Um, the food was great. Yeah. Well, my family lives in Nebraska too, which is crazy that, yeah, that like, I have well, that's such a fucking small world. Yeah. Um, and so Nebraska's trash. I can say that. See, so your mom will have to get mad at you. I'll, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, cool. I have family out there too, and it's garbage. Because now that my mom's a devoted listener, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I say worse shit to my mom during our conversations. Like yeah. what? Me and my mom have a pretty twisted sense of humor, mm. so we say a lot of shit that we probably wouldn't want other people to hear. Got you. Yeah. That's good though. That means you're close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me and my mom are like best friends. That's fire. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like I don't know if I'm that I'm friends with my parents. Yeah. Friends? Yeah, I'm actually friends with my parents. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Me and my dad had a had a rough go early on because yeah. me and him are like the same exact person. So naturally that's gonna cause some friction. But at this point, me and my dad are friends. Hmm. Yeah. That means you're a more like enlightened, I think. More Probably. Like, you're more like evolutionarily. You're the next stage. <laughs> I'm like not friends. I can't say I'm. I, I can't even really say I'm friends with my brother. Mm. Like we're brothers, right? But we're not really quite friends. Yeah, me and my brothers are friends as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get there one day. You should. It makes it. It makes life easier. Okay, I'm gonna start working on that. Yeah. All right. Well. Somehow we have like a dearth of content for after being away for three weeks. But when we get back, we are going to do part two of conspiracy theories. Right. All right. 
Okay, back from back from break. Yeah. Welcome back to the Now That You Mention It podcast. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen to us and fuck with us on social media. Yeah. I think I, you probably know. Who you are. Who, to, who, <laughs> who you are and how to find us and all that shit. Right. Um, so today, it's Conspiracy Theories Part 2. In your eyes, how did we... What, like... Synopsize episode one. <laughs> what like what went down and where are we right now? Um. So in episode one, we just sort of went over like the origin of conspiratorial thinking, like mm. why people, you know, think what they think, why they believe these theories, um, and the sort of like social and cultural relevancy of said theories. We yeah. Sort of grounded all of that. So. The book we used, which I'm holding in my hand, American Conspiracy Theories by Joseph Usinski and Joseph Parent. Basically, we left it at a point. Um, uh, well, we talked about their main contention of where conspiracy theories mm-hmm. come from, which is that it's a combination. There's a number of variables. Among them is like our emotional and psychological backdrop. Um where they cited studies that show that if you induce lack of control in the lab, then the subjects of the study start to see patterns where no patterns really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, ideology is a causal factor where your conspiracy thinking lines up with your particular uh, political ideology. So just really quickly, like if you're on the right, you're more likely to believe that climate change is a hoax mm-hmm. perpetrated by liberals. And part of the ideology dimension is susceptibility to conspiracy thinking itself. So some people are simply socialized and are are more susceptible to believing in conspiracies than others, which they place as a separate dimension within the ideology dimension. And then another big causal factor is social context Mm -hmm. and group identity right um yeah so we thought that we would break up because we spent an hour plus talking about just basically their intro in the next chapter they outline six or so truth tests that you can run conspiracy theories through and so we thought it would be a good idea to quickly talk about what those truth tests are and then get into the get into the weeds on some actual conspiracy theories and talk about them. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what conspiracy I want to espouse. There's today. some good, like, the 9-11 one is, has a lot of different applicability to various, um, to, yeah, to some I, of the tests. I'm, you know what? Honestly, I never really got into the 9-11 conspiracies like that. Yeah. Um, I guess you could just say I'm a, bookworm so I'm like actually like reading histories about just the entire like war on terror and all that sort of shit um, to really get into like the conspiratorial shit behind it yeah so yeah that would be interesting to just cause I the shit that I have heard about like the shit wasn't it were they there weren't real planes that did it or some shit like it's oh yeah no it gets wacky yeah it's wild but okay let me 
because because we'll at various points we'll we'll bring in the 911 to like run it through the gauntlet of tests but i'm about to look up some <laughs> let me yeah well I, i'm reading this quote that i think sets the table perfectly the authors say inevitably we have all debated a conspiracy theory with a true believer these conversations start reasonably enough, but then quickly crumble as the conspiracy theorist tries to make up in quantity of evidence what is lacking in quality of logic. Your attempts to gently nudge your interlocutor in a more constructive direction are unavailing. Your irritated opponent looks at you like a sucker, or worse, a collaborator. In trying to loosen the hold of a conspiracy theory, you have only succeeded in tightening its grip. So this is kind of like my outlook of like my frustration with conspiracy theories is that no amount of true believers, no amount of evidence can convince them otherwise, it seems like. And when actually when I was in Miami, I was exposed to like a true mm-hmm. Trumpian, Clinton, czar, the devil, like pedophiles, the whole, the whole thing. Um, but so after that, the but then it's like, okay, let's take a look at it from the other side. The authors continue. But then who are you to say you are right? Your arguments generally trace a similar blueprint of agreeable assumptions ending in a heap of evidentiary bricks. Everyone errs, and perhaps you are the dope of a carefully constructed misinformation campaign. Unwittingly, you may be wrong and your friend may be right. Even when wide of the mark, conspiracy theorists have at times been correct about the big picture or unearthed information that otherwise would have remained obscure. Today's conspiracy theory may be tomorrow's history. So that's kind of like... I. I feel like that's the general direction of what this episode is going to be. It's going to be like mm-hmm. an imaginary conversation between us and the conspiracy, this theory. conspiracy theorist, or maybe, maybe it turns out you or I actually harbor some weird conspiracy theories. Maybe. Um, so let's get into these truth tests. Actually, no, there's a few, there's a few problems I noticed too. That's the author's somewhat, touch on a little bit it's that in talking to conspiracy theorists i guess when you're when you're like adjudicating evidence when you're talking with a conspiracy theorist like people don't believe that their beliefs are the result of anything other than like they have the evidence and the facts people don't go around saying like oh yeah i believe what i believe because i was socialized probably to believe that way and you know, these beliefs line up with my ideology and maybe I have the belief and then I come up with the evidence. It's like, no, if you and I are having an argument over a conspiracy theory, you think you're right because you've got the right evidence. I think I'm right. So it makes like adjudicating evidence for or against a conspiracy theory really difficult because you're sort of on uneven ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is actually what the authors talk about in another sort of preliminary concern that they bring up. The conceptual problem with conspiracy theory, the term being loaded it has like a pejorative connotation and they say, quote, to label a theory as a conspiracy theory or someone a conspiracy theorist may place him or her on uneven terrain, which could then like circumscribe actual mm-hmm. organic free debate. Um, I thought this quote was really good. Both the left and both the right and the left assume that there is something wrong with conspiracy theories, that they are always or at least usually false or that those who believe them or seek out evidence for them are being irrational. So it's like, I think you're being irrational and you think I'm being irrational, which makes having conversations about them really difficult. Right. Um, but I don't know. <clears throat> I guess with that, it depends on what we're talking about. Are we discussing 
the conspiracy theory itself or are we, you know, just at odds ideologically? And I think those are debates that you can have. You can you can have a, you know, a sort of even debate about your political ideology is fucking trash, you know, and here's why. I don't think that that's that falls into conspiratorial thinking. Now, you now how your political ideology informs you your belief in, you know, Pizzagate. Now that shit is you know impossible to sort of come to a consensus about yeah. because you already believe that you know whatever. So yeah, I think that's a distinction that you that has to be made in terms of like having these type of conversations. Well, what do you like? Let's just get a couple baseline terms. What do you? How do you conceive of what a conspiracy is? Let alone the theory part. What is what is a conspiracy? Shit. <laughs> I don't know, I guess anything that, you know, a group of people sort of agree upon a, a, you know, a plan, whatever that plan may be, sort of something agreed upon by that, you know, group of people and they follow through with that, with that plan. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, I think you got to add the element of like, it's in secret. Yeah. And usually it's for some nefarious end. Well, that yeah, that's the conspiracy theory. Like a conspiracy, I I don't necessarily because I think like you can conspire to do just about anything. Like right when you, when you like really break it down. Okay, I guess I should cl- like what is a conspiracy that is a target of a conspiracy theory? Okay, so yeah, so then those elements, the you know the nefarious secrecy, the secrecy. and powerful, they have to yeah. be powerful actors like operating behind yeah. behind the or, scenes. Or they have to be those looking to attain power. So, like, the people from the top can look at, you know, a a protest group and they're like, oh, this is a subversive group. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're conspiring to undermine our power and, you know, and our status, blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, so it's another power element in terms of, like, how that, how the the attainment of that power sort of directly impacts someone's life, right? Or what they perceive, you know, their world to be based on how they look at it ideologically. So, you know, somebody from the right, they're thinking, you know, Pizzagate and all this other shit or whatever. And this, you know, goes on to inform why the country's in the state it's in, you know, today, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that's perfect. And I think that's basically the working definition that the authors use throughout. And then- for conspiracy theory, the authors say that – well, the authors define a conspiracy theory as an explanation of historical, ongoing, or future events that cites as a main causal factor a small group of powerful persons, i.e. the conspirators, acting in secret for their own benefit against the common good, mm-hmm. which I think tracks the reality of what mm-hmm. conspiracy theorists and theories are trying to do. So – it's interesting. Another baseline thing is like being able to just distinguish between the two. Watergate was a conspiracy theory held by the who are those two journalist cats? What are their names? Carl something. Oh, yeah. I always forget their names. Yeah. Anyways, uh-huh. Watergate was a conspiracy theory until with the validate like validation of knowledge, mm-hmm. it was proved to be a actual conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. same like I don't know if there was ever a a theory behind like the Tuskegee experiments, mm-hmm. but the, the Tuskegee experiments, that is a conspiracy. Right. Um, 
And then this, I thought, was a really important point the authors made, too, as far as how to distinguish between conspiracies and conspiracy theories. They cite this fancy kind of philosophy term. They say properly constituted epistemic authorities are the ones that are able to determine the existence of conspiracies, actual conspiracies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what the fuck is a properly constituted epistemic authority? That would be a place like a, a properly run newsroom or like the scientific community where there are institutions where everyone there is trained in verification of knowledge and is double checking and triple checking everyone else. So like in the scientific community, how do we know that claims by scientists are generally reliable because everyone else in their field is trying to prove that person wrong. And so if you have like a published paper that shows some finding or whatever, you can bet that prior to publishing, everyone was trying to prove Kevin wrong about that. Mm -hmm. You know, so like they say the quote, the exact quote is institutions in which knowledge claims are the result of a socially distributed network of inquirers trained in assessing knowledge claims with methods and results made public and available for scrutiny. So these are like environments where there's like fact checking and stuff like that. So we no longer have those in, in journalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you were talking about, I'm like, so, I mean, depending on where you're at on the political spectrum, I mean, fucking MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, like all of that corporate shit is like, conspiratorial there's just conspiracy theories all over you know you mean they're espousing conspiracy yes. theories yeah. yeah yeah so well they but, have to make like their headlines saleable like they're right and but that's and that's part of it is it's kind of like the model isn't you know knowledge verification anymore yeah it's it's, it's getting subscribers and shit like this and all that. yeah okay so okay after all that preamble what are the truth tests the first one Occam's razor. Occam's razor is basically the principle that says that simple, simpler explanations of events are better than like ones that posit a ton of causal factors. Okay, so Occam's razor applied to conspiracy theories basically says that a theory gets more and more unlikely in direct proportion to the amount of explanatory factors the theory posits. Okay, so here's a perfect place to bring in the 9-11 conspiracy theory. In one, like... One variation of the 9-11 conspiracy theory, a key contention is that it it was not the planes that took down the Twin Towers. It was carefully set explosive charges, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for that just seemingly simple claim to be true, like it would require an inordinate, an absurd number of other things to be true. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really interesting just to lay them out and hear them and see how ridiculous it gets. So such as... like. Dozens of like splinter cell style deep cover actors to like go in there and plant the charges, right? Without mm. getting caught in the fucking World Trade Center where thousands of people work every single day. Pilots, suicidal pilots that expertly crashed into the exact points in the Twin Towers of where the charges mm-hmm. were set. Planes with all their fuel that somehow would not interfere with the charges. And then on top of that, you would have you would have had to have Bush, Cheney, the 9-11 Commission, the FBI, CIA, NYPD, all the major news outlets colluding and conspiring to conceal evidence. Sounds like a conspiracy to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So like when 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 you have, well, posit a million of these causal factors and things that must be true in order for your key contention of a conspiracy theory to be true, it just breaks down. Yeah, I, I think the reason that like the nine eleven the nine eleven shit like holds so much weight with people is because of how the US was able to capitalize off of nine eleven. Like in terms of like the fact that we've been in like making so much money off of war in the Middle East, like since then, makes people believe that like they had to have planned this. It was just, you know, it could have just been a great opportunity. You know, you hate to put it to you know, put it like that, but essentially like I think I think how things turn out despite whatever, you know, despite whatever evidence has been verified or not, I think how certain things, you know, eventually turn out continue to sort of inform people's belief in that conspiracy theory. So the fact that there's this ongoing war in the Middle East, all this oil was, you know, taken, all this other shit is just going to reinforce people's belief that this was somehow orchestrated because otherwise it, it couldn't have worked out this well without it being. So one other truth test, like you can run a conspiracy theory like the 9-11 one through is like the the irrationality that has to go along with actually carrying out a conspiracy. So this is what Kevin's best friend, Noam Chomsky, <laughs> I don't know why, I just yeah. know you like Noam Chomsky a lot, um, said about in reference to 9-11 conspiracy mm. theories. Did they plan it in any way or know anything about it, meaning the Bush administration? Mm -hmm. This seems to be extremely unlikely. They would have had they would have been insane to try anything like that. If they had, it is almost certain that it would have leaked. It's a very porous system. Secrets are hard to keep. So something would have leaked out very likely. And if it had, they'd all be before firing squads. It'd be the end of the Republican Party forever. That's a Noam Chomsky quote. Mm -hmm. the, then the authors say, for these exorbitant risks, the utility they will supposedly receive is often trivial. American involvement in the Middle East doubtless has something to do with oil, but that is separate from arguing that an oil scheme was the main cause of the Gulf and Iraq wars. Going into the Gulf War, oil was already cheap, and Iraqi production had almost no impact on the world price of oil. All citations abound. Mm -hmm. The outcome of the war, blah, 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 in the end did not help the American economy. American oil companies were not given preferential access to Iraqi oil, and indeed none signed contracts for it with a citation. Despite the prohibitive risks and costs and trivial benefits, many people are still convinced that both George Bushes went to war for oil. Your response? I don't, I mean, I still think what I said was it holds true. Like, it does, like I said, despite what the evidence says, how things are framed and perceived by the masses is going to inform what they already believe. So if people believe in a 9-11 conspiracy theory and they see that the U.S. is still engaged in war, and if you know that war makes money, regardless of that coming back and trickling into the economy necessarily, I'm sure, you know, CEOs and shit like that probably made a nice buck off of some shit like that. So it's like if if stuff like that is if there's a semblance of truth in that, that's just going to reinforce the people who already believe the conspiracy. Mm. 
I'm not saying that this is that, you know, yeah, they planned it out and, you know, all of that shit. Of course, like shit leaks. Like you can't keep a secret, in, you know, at all. So it's, it's, of course, it's likely that, you know, if this was orchestrated in that way, that it would have, you know, that it would have leaked. But to people who believe that this is a conspiracy and you're telling them, tw- you know, damn near 20 years later, you're still over there. You're, you know what I'm saying? Like people are going to mm. are going to continue to believe that this is, you know, some long term conspiracy, regardless of what the information is. Yeah. So, okay, so that's a perfect point to bring it over to another truth test, falsifiability. So in order for a claim to be scientific in some way, it has to be falsifiable. And what what does that mean? It means that there has to be some evidence that you could show that the theory or idea is wrong. And if there is nothing, if you believe something, Kevin, and there's nothing that in the real world that I could point to, no evidence I could show you that would disprove it, you are no longer believing whatever you're believing for reasons based on evidence you're it, at that point you're believing it on faith alone you're, it's it becomes theology right um so questions the authors say that you could ask this imaginary conspiracy theorist we're having a conversation with is what evidence would falsify or what else would be a true if i applied this level of falsifiability to other beliefs which is where you can see like how absurd this mm-hmm. stuff it's like a reduction to absurdity They say, if there is no evidence that would falsify a conspiracy theory, or if every theory would be true if the same standards are applied, then it is no longer theory, it's theology. Right. And I saw this when I was at, when I was down in Miami, Steph's Jewish, I was invited and I went to, what holiday was it? It wasn't Passover. Was it Rosh Hashanah? It might have been Rosh Hashanah. No. No, No. That's in September or something. Fuck, what was it? It wasn't Passover. It wasn't like Purim. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was something. I forget mm-hmm. what it was. Um, I'm not religious. Um, but this one member of the family was like a diehard, like I said, Trumpian. Mm-hmm. Everything about the corporate media is wrong. Trump is the savior and everything else is a conspiracy theory. And Steph's dad is a really, really smart, reasonable guy. And for some reason, he was feeling mag- magnanimous and just they, they, he decided to humor this kid. And after a while, it became clear that nothing that Steph's dad said was going to convince him. Mm-hmm. And further than that, it became clear that no, nothing anyone could ever say could convince him. And it, at the end, it boiled down to Satan, cults, and... Jeffrey Epstein and this whole infrastructure of thinking and logic and all boiled down to and it, it, it touches on a lot of the truth the, the truth test. It touches on falsifiability because not no amount of evidence could convince him otherwise. Mm-hmm. The Trump the Trump conspiracy shit is uh Yeah. That that's a different breed. That's a that's a different breed because like they've like created like their own sort of echo chamber like online and like everything to where it's just like a lot of the shit that they that they spew is just so like divorced from reality yeah um yeah (laughs) what are what are some like just putting pause on like the rest of the truth test we want to get to like what are some 
Are there any conspiracy theories you can think of that you sort of have dabbled in, either currently or in the past? Mm. As far as, like, believing them or, like, just looking into them or some shit? I, whatever. Because and let's I, set the 9-11 one on, aside because I feel because, like we beat that one to death. Yeah, I'm, because I'm, I'm really not... I'm a skeptic, so... I'm like questioning the conspiracy theory. I'm like looking at who's telling me about it, like all of that yeah. shit. So it's like it's it's difficult for me to say like there's a conspiracy theory that I've that I've you know adopted or ascribed to or some shit yeah. like that. But um, no, I think both you and I are, are low on the susceptibility to conspiracy yeah. theory dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I. I was fascinated by all the Illuminati shit though. Hmm. Because it's just I'm I'm fascinated by it because of how much people tend to know about this secretive society. What were the claims of the the Illuminati conspiracy? It was theories? just like all types of shit from like all this like blood sacrifice shit in order for like, you know, Jay Z to become as successful as he did. He you know, he had to or like for Puff, he had to sacrifice Biggie in order to become, oh. you know, that type of shit huh. or whatever. And like, oh, it's, you know, the, the Illuminati, you know, same, like the Freemasons, they try to like lump all, like conflate all of that shit. Um, and it's all this sort of like, they're, you know, the, the new world order. And um, it's funny that people don't understand that we already live in the new world. Like, this is the new world. Like, this has been the new world since 1619 or yeah. whatever. Like, so the fact that people, you know, say like, oh, they're going towards some new fucking the the the, the settlers who came here in the 1600s were not like, we're going to set this shit up because in 2019 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 2019. Is you know what I'm saying? Like, no, fuck out of here. I, uh, no, I was just curious if you, like, I'm just trying to think of like the the prominent ones, like the moon landing one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the moon landing one seems like Occam's razor applies there because it's like the the the, the various like hoops and the lengths that cats would have had to go through to con- to pull that shit off, and it's also like. The, the irrationality comes there to me like so much effort for such a menial thing and like what are the incentives I mean I don't know the moon landing one always seemed like yeah the, so, the, and I'll, I'll, yeah I don't I just don't really get it I mean I'm trying to think about the moon landing I don't know if I'm just not as intrigued about the moon landing in general that like I never really thought about it like that um again I guess I can see like where people are coming from in terms of like you know these motherfuckers made it to the moon in 1960 or whatever the fuck it was and you know all these other aircrafts or or, um spaceships are blowing up and shit like that you know post 60 like when's the last time uh cats like really got to the moon like that i have no idea you know so it's like i don't know so i I mean i guess but that's 
again, like you get into like shit like the moon landing and Area 51 and like all of that kind of shit, man. Like, I don't fucking know. Like, I, I don't have access to that, to the, you know, evidence, to the necessary evidence to make a real claim about. Well, well here's the thing. Here's why it's uneven. Like, let's say I'm a alien Area 51 believer. Like, you have to ascribe to the target of your conspiracy theory like this almost omniscience. So any evidence that you could point to that would – or there, there's not a lot of disconfirming evidence, right? Mm-hmm. But any – and so because of that, it's like, oh, that just means they covered it up. You can widen the scope of the mm-hmm. conspiracy to absurd well, proportions. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing is that everyone conspiracy can, theories absorbs evidence. Like whatever you whatever you throw out as somebody who believes, you know, a particular conspiracy theory. It's just actually a, that actually counts in their favor yeah. as they view it. Yeah, no, that's exactly. just yeah. Right. Yeah, that they absorb that shit. Like and that's that's sort of how it's set up is you're gonna like you it, the to believe a conspiracy theory you've already made you've already made your decision that you that you just believe it that it's nothing nothing else is going to change that like i think implicitly once you accept a conspiracy theory to be true you've now just accepted that this is how i'm framing you know the world or this particular issue or whatever it is is based on this theory and you aren't you aren't giving that up for anything. Yeah, evidence sen- sensitivity. I love when I was. Fr- I've I've been exposed to that phrase, and now I'm fucking. Mm-hmm. I, I love it because, yeah. If you're not, I see it everywhere. But if you're not sensitive to evidence, then we're you're not having the same. You're not having the same mm-hmm. conversation. Then it just boils down to like, like no, we said just, earlier, like people, faith. It's theology. Yeah, people are. I mean, like going back to the whole idea about control and like lack of control. The conspiracy theory gives you this sense of control that you otherwise don't have like Mm -hmm. you know what's going on like you're able to you know oh x happened so yeah this is you know i can point to y you know what i'm saying it's just it makes it easier for you to to be able to make sense of the world even though your conspiracy theory most likely doesn't make sense yeah (laughs) so yeah so one other uh truth test that's i think pretty interesting the worst intentions test And the authors write, quote, we might choose to reject a conspiracy theory if it attributes a depravity that is unlikely given one track record and institutional incentives. So the way I unpack that is that conspiracy theorists treat like an institution like the CIA or something like that as the whole ass CIA. They treat it as if it's one like depraved nefarious individual and not a fucking agglomeration of individuals with different incentive schemes and motives and the 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 problem with like giant multinational corporations is precisely that they aren't individuals so there is no one locus of moral responsibility and culpability that shit is diffused and that's how like or giant organizations are able to get away with some not not necessarily conspiratorial, but like some nasty shit. Yeah. And so, when you treat the a huge institution as if it's just like one individual with agency, it doesn't. And it's acting 
with the worst intentions imaginable that don't line up with the institution's other incentives, then it starts to not make sense. When you start going into like governmental agencies and shit and you talk about like different, you know, all all countries are engaged in some sort of espionage and, you know, all this type of shit. Um, every country has its intelligence center, its intelligence community. Um, I would say that it may not necessarily be nefarious from the perspective of those living in the metropole as to what like a CIA or something, for instance, may not look like, you know, all that bad here necessarily, but as you start to look at the periphery of America and what the CIA has done to other countries, it again, like shit like that reinforces people's skepticism and their susceptibility to believe in conspiracy theories about certain shit. Now, I'm just of the mind that I understand that, you know, international relations and politics is a matter of power. If the United States is the global power, then they're going to do some fucked up shit around the world in order to maintain that power. That's not really conspiratorial thing. Like, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's it might be a conspiracy because it's just how you maintain power. You have to do fucked up shit in order to maintain power. Um, but I think as you go into like the the way that you the way that people sort of individualize um, how you, you know, pointed out about the CIA making it seem as if there's just, you know, this one particular, you know, person almost who's, you know, behind all of this shit. That goes against like seeing the world operate through structures as it does, like the world operates through structures and institutions. And so, yeah, people, individual actors do shit in concert with whatever it is the you know, objectives are of that institution or organization. And if that means doing some immoral fucked up shit to, you know, destabilize another country, then that's what's going to happen. If it's to, you know, bolster the um, protesters against an authoritarian regime, they, they might do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever, whatever it is, like, there's always going to be conspiracies thrown back at the U.S., because it's the global power and because people are trying to make sense of one country having this much fucking power, having this this reach that it does. And I think I think a lot of times like we don't we don't look at shit from the perspective of the periphery, which is the US is <laughs> the US has done some fucked up shit and is doing fucked up shit all over the place. So it, it's, it makes it easier for people to believe into these in these conspiracies. I totally agree, but but just observing countries' track records in terms of how they conduct themselves as far as their foreign policy and like their strategies to maintain power and all mm. that all that type of shit that I don't really know much about. But just observing that stuff is different from saying that you somehow are able to discern the intention of a various oh of course act. but that's that that's that's what makes it easy for people i guess like those who believe in the conspiracy theory 
you might be trying to have like a a nuanced take on foreign policy, but don't understand how you know how this shit works really. But you can sort of make sense out of it from this conspiracy theory, and I think that's where a lot of people are at because you know again like it's yeah it's it's strategy like that's that's a conspiracy like governmental strategy military strategy to do x you know we we don't fuck with this dictator over here so we're going to destabilize their country that's a conspiracy like and so that the fact that you have conspiracy the fact that those are conspiracies that reinforces people's outlandish theories that well you see the u.s did x y they did this in panama they did this to you know venezuela or whatever so it's not far-fetched that they're doing it to this country and they're doing this and they have their hands over here and that and it just reinforces the shit so i think like people are at least trying to engage with these ideas but don't necessarily have like Mm. access to the right information in order to engage with it in a real way it's just it's only done through this easy access conspiracy theory shit yeah and i think it's easy for people to conceive of complicated like foreign policy international politics stuff like by coming up with sort of cartoonish versions of like the good side right, versus the right, bad side and right. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the worst intentions test, I think, yeah, t- talk, taking it to the realm of like foreign policy always gets always gets tricky in terms of this conspiracy theory stuff because of all of the... Yeah, and that's why I say ...global politics right. are. But like a good example that the authors brought up was there was a conspiracy theory that the, um, the soda company was in league with the KKK to put chemicals in soda to sterilize black men. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, now and then I, I looked at the citation. And it's, a, it's a real thing. Uh-huh. And the, uh, the worst intentions test would say, and I don't think the authors make a claim one way or the other, but the worst, worst intentions test would say that well, this is kind of funny. They, they write that beverage companies are not known for sterilization schemes. <laughs> and right. for good reason. They continue. Such a scheme would be traceable and incredibly illegal and would have devastating consequences for any organization involved. So, like, that's the thing where I'm like, the incentives don't match up here. But you know why people believe it. Why somebody would, why somebody would believe that. Well, why the soda company specifically? That's almost inconsequential to what the objective is. The objective is sterilization. Right. Has there been concerted efforts to sterilize black men and women? Yes, this is true. So then that's why that that's why people would believe that shit. Yeah. It's like how you get there really doesn't matter. Like you, they could have said that was it was a fucking, um, you know, toothpaste. A toothpaste company could have tried to sterilize, you know, people or some shit like that, right? And it would still ring true for people because it's like there's a, a history that you could point to that says black men and women have been targeted for sterilization. And so it's like 
I don't think I think a lot of times people are trying to like really engage with shit. It's it just shows the sort of like it just shows how undereducated that's American what I was going to get to because I was going to say I was going to sort of prompt you or kick to you as far as like it's totally valid to have those concerns about like the history of nasty shit. But why does it then get condensed into like now the face of the evil is a soda company? Because it's it's accessible in the same way that like music is, is you know, the, the trashiest fucking most basic shit is what's played on the radio because cats can fucking bounce and bop to it and sing along because it's not complex or it doesn't make you think about anything. It's like I can fuck with this. And, and it's an easy way to fuck with it. Like. Oh, yeah, like instead of like engaging with the decades long history, you just say, yeah. oh, it's the soda company. Yeah. They're just trying to. St- OK, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. It's just an easier way to, to deal with it. Like because the concern and then it's also like the fantastical nature of all of these conspiracy theories also like affords people this sort of escapism that allows mm-hmm. them to like not really engage with the reality of what this shit is like are we really going to engage with how like this history of uh medicine was used to sterilize you know like what what would those steps be in order to really engage with that versus the soda company is is now in cahoots with the kkk to do this shit like again it doesn't matter that you know this shit is out the fucking blue like whatever you see sterilization, it's like, okay, we know what that is. Mm. You know, we yeah. know what that's about. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've been going for a while. Pool. Pause. Pause. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some of them, some, some of these fucking conspiracy theories are wacky. No, there's, I know. There's that. one that Procter and Gamble was, they were, um, they're, they're Satanists. Oh, the Satanists, the Satan, like the Satan. All the like, like quasi religious, like Judeo Christian, like overtones with all of these conspiracy theories and like just how people like map out this shit and into this, you know, good versus evil, you know. Where does the shit come from? Is it all because of the Da Vinci Code? No, it's got to be deeper than that, but. No, it is. But the Da Vinci Code definitely was like a watershed moment. The Da Vinci Code. (laughs) I think the Da Vinci Code just sort of gave you a snapshot. Of, or, you know, it like tapped into that thing. Right. Like, I right. think Dan Brown must have picked up on because the that's same there. way Trump like sort of dialed into the pulse of like this mm-hmm. blowback, like racially and whatever. Like, Dan Brown must have yeah. put, had his finger on the pulse of like, oh, these motherfuckers, they're kind of, they're kind of crazy. But you have to, and you have to think too, like, what, when when conspiracy theories abound like it's at moments of you know moments of flux like social and political flux like you don't know what the fuck is going on so you're trying to make sense of like all this wild shit and so you know the the trump thing a bunch of you know white people in the you know midwest in the rust belt and the south and shit like that you know are fucked 
And so Trump comes in with with his with his shit, and he's able to you know stoke that fear and anxiety in them. And now the conspiracies are, oh, immigrants are coming to you know take our jobs yeah. and all of this shit. And it's like if you really were privy to the information and how you know number one immigration is at a net zero. There's more people like it's more jobs in Mexico more manufacturing jobs at least in Mexico than it is here like a lot of car companies and shit are setting up shop in Mexico you should be trying to go over the fucking border if you right, don't right. want to fucking like really so it's like it's shit like that where if you it just shows how like undereducated people are and that's where that susceptibility comes in comes into play yeah so. okay what, one more thing I just um, and then we can wrap it up but <laughs> You're what, nasty. what what is up like I get that you know Hillary and Bill Clinton and you know they might not be the most transparent and at totally 100% ethical but what is up with the fascination with the Clinton family and insisting that they are these mastermind conspiracy like I and it doesn't seem to stop. Like tr- again, Trump stoked it, but it seems like what there's is- this obsession that Hillary is like the face of this shady, shadowy. Yeah, like, I, and okay. I don't know what it boils down to in the end. Like, I don't know what these people's claims actually are. Like, if it does boil down to some out there like Satanism shit, I'm sure in some yeah. cases it does, or like pedophilia shit with the pizza. But like, yeah. what is it about the Clintons that? America, like, broadly has this weird fascination with. So, back to, like, this sort of reducing these large, you know, structural issues to, like, one person or something, right? So, like, we we reduce the far right to Trump now. Like, we understand this, you know, white nationalist phenomenon as Trump. Like that's that Trump gets all of that, but it's like Trump is just a symptom of this larger shit. Yep. So the Clintons are just a symptom of the failures of neoliberalism. Like it's really that simple. Like in terms of neoliberalism, like domestically and internationally, Hillary was behind the Libya shit. That's a fucking disaster. Now you know. Um, you look at the Obama administration, which, you know, obviously she was a part of and the housing crisis. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot of shit where these are like failures of, of the system. And then of, you know, particular like bodies or administrations in power and their political ideology and how that informs public policy. And so Hillary is just, the embodiment of neoliberalism gone wrong. Hence why, you know, Biden is getting so much shit because he's also a part of that neoliberal guard. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, the reason that all those motherfuckers who voted for Obama, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like so many people voted for Obama who ended up voting for Trump. Yeah. But, but that doesn't, but what you just said, I've never heard any one of these motherfuckers say. Right. They say it, it's Pizzagate, it's pedophilia, no, it's child exactly. sex rings. Back, back, to, back to this idea of people being undereducated and what's accessible. The accessibility of Pizzagate allows some, you know, Joe Bumfuck to like hear it and be like, oh, that makes sense. You know, like because he at, at a 
I think it just at a gut level, people know when shit is fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, but like, they don't know where to like. They place don't know where to place, to place it. it. How how it came about or like people don't know what neoliberalism is yeah you know let alone understanding the you know economic ramifications as to like why you know the wealth gap just ballooned under obama you know and now we're like sitting here with trump and he's just exacerbating the problem it's not like he's the cause of it like rich people like we just got billionaires with trump yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying so it's like people know that something's wrong it's just where to place it and then the conspiracy theory gives you an easy way to explain that and it's you know something that you like feel at that point where it's like all right i know what's going on i feel better about this shit you know let's move on now yeah so yeah yeah all right well in conclusion (laughs) (laughs) i guess take these uh truth tests with you and arm yourself with them when you want to have fucking go read and yeah. like yeah like for real because the conspiracy shit is literally rooted in under or misinformation under education and shit like and just because you can be an undereducated motherfucker who went to college so like let's not you know yeah let's not this isn't a classist argument right <laughs> so yeah yeah I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. Like in wait, I just need to hear the right conspiracy theory, and then I'll be like, yeah. Maybe your conspiracy is not believing in conspiracy theories. Ooh, meta. That's meta. Yeah. No, I think I, I think I am like low on the conspiracy dimension. So I, I could see someone accusing me of being naive at certain points. Like, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, cat. <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you for bearing with us on this uh, little two, well, two, probably like closer to three week hiatus. But we got some some dope episode yeah. ideas coming up. Yeah, we got some fire. So stay tuned, and we'll see you next time. Later. Peace. Now that you mention it, mention it, mention it, mention it. Yeah.